1: Welcome back to the Maxim podcast. I'm Jim Hacking,
2: and I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Hello, my friend. How you doing, Tyson? I am doing really well. I feel like I'm I'm sort of you know rested, well rested after a long week last week, and I had a couple of deadlines at the beginning of this week. So the last few days of I'm actually on my fourth day of seventy five hard. So I'm a little sore from that, but I don't know. I'm in good spirits. How about you?
1: Yeah, so we came up to Chicago and saw the Cardinals and Cubs the day after the conference ended, and then we came over to Michigan, and we've been staying at my sister's house this week, heading back to St. Louis this morning, and we've had a great time so far. It's not often that we get all six of us together, so having us all together for a week's been pretty great.
2: Now, do, do I remember correctly that that was your parents' old place?
1: Well, my mom and dad and sister bought it just a year and a half ago. So we've only had it for a little bit. And so, yeah, wow. it's it's, it's my sister place. my sister and my mom are both here, too. So that's made it nice. We went to see Top Gun last night and everyone had fun, including my 76-year-old mother. So there's something for everybody.
2: Nice. So do you all verbo this thing or Airbnb? Do you rent it out to people? No, they might one day, but Carrie
1: pretty much stays up here all uh, summer. So... That's not really working, but they do do a lot of um, entertaining and having a lot of their friends over.
2: Nice. I've always heard going up to Michigan is just amazing. I've, we've never done it, so that's something I've wanted to do.
1: It's super easy from St. Louis. It's a six and a half hour drive, so it's, in mean, you're on the beach on Lake Michigan, so it's pretty darn easy.
2: Well, don't tell Amy, but I'm looking at planes, six seater planes, oh. a Saratoga and a Bonanza, so I'm whispering because she's upstairs. But I would be able to fly up there, which would be pretty amazing. So pretty it'd be, excited. It'd be about a whole that. lot faster. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, you want to talk about today? I want to talk about speed. Ooh, dude, you're just referencing speed by getting places faster. So let's. It's funny you, for someone that's fairly slow on things, not on getting things done, but like on making decisions or coming around to things, speed. But although you're quick, here's the here's the thing. What's weird, interesting about you is you're a, a ten quick start, right? But they're like it takes some time for you to process ideas. Not that you're not, not that you're slow about it. It's just that you're methodical about it. So I'm I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. What what about speed? Do you want to talk about?
1: Well, you know, one of my little side hustles is I sue USCIS because they're this big, slow, lumbering government bureaucracy, and I sue them to try to get them to speed up delayed immigration cases. It's sort of my bread and butter. It's the one piece of the law that I still handle myself. But it occurs to me in watching what's happening at my firm, that we are becoming that which we hate. We are becoming the bureaucracy that is USCIS. We have baked in so many complexities, inside FileVine, outside FileVine, checklist, double checklist, review, peer review, supervisor review, that we have literally started to take on aspects of the government agency that we battle with every day. So the irony is not lost upon me, but I've been sitting in meetings lately with team members and people love to make things more complex. Lawyers, especially. Our law firm has a ton of high fact finders. So I'm just in meeting after meeting where people want to make things three times more complicated than they are. And I'm just like, no, no, no. So yesterday we were on a call and, you know, we are replacing, we're just about done with Smith AI. We have our own call center. We have five people who just basically answer the phones all day and follow up with electronic leads. And they had sort of decided amongst themselves that they needed to get more information on potential leads than we wanted them to. That's something for the leads department, which is different than the client coordinators. And they were this close to setting up a system where they would ask for all this background information about a case. Then they would transfer them to the leads department who would do it all again, who would then transfer it on to the lawyer who would ask some more follow-up questions. And I guess what I'm saying is that we need to constantly review our systems to see if things have become more complicated than they need to be.
2: So this reminds me of your first iteration of Infusionsoft, my first iteration of Infusionsoft, where we built out, you had someone built out, I built out personally, all these complexities in Infusionsoft. And it's just way too complicated. It's funny, so we did something, we reanalyzed, I don't know, six months ago, our intake process very similar to what you did, but what we found is what you found is like, it's, it was a bunch of like bouncing the ball to someone else and no one was taking the shot kind of a thing as a basketball reference since, since the finals are going on. And so the ball was bouncing back and forth instead of someone taking the shot and getting it done, getting the job done. So we've created this cares team, which is our leads team. And now we have, we have two people in our care team now, Jimmy, we're growing like you are, we're getting our team together, but they do all of that initial front, like all the front work. So, The evaluation of the case, getting the case signed up, everything, opening the claim with insurance adjusters, getting all the letters of representation going out, getting all that stuff done at the very, very beginning and then hands it over to an actual pod to actually do the legal work on the case. But what it does is it prevents that back and forth because that's what was happening was back and forth, back and forth. It goes from one person to another person to another person. We got really cute early on with our system and we just simplified it. We said, okay, CARES team is doing everything. That's what they're going to do. All the stuff on this part of it, and then we'll hand it off because you do. We get, we like to get cute with our systems, especially whenever you first start building the systems. Like I want you to think about like your first systems that you built out. Oh, this is going to be so amazing, right? You're going to, like you. You feel like you're like this mastermind of this thing that you're putting together, and you, you saw my mind maps, right? <laughs> I can get kind of complicated with things. and so I think we do that. So just sometimes simple is far better than complicated.
1: I love that analogy of people not wanting to take the shots. And one of the things that I say often is that even on individual cases, sometimes at some point, somebody has to decide to pick the case up, put it on their back and carry it across the goal line. You've got to like will the thing to be done. And so I love that analogy. And you're absolutely right about how we think our future systems are going to be perfect. And Adela has the phrase that she always says, which is, it's going to be magical. And so I think we get to that phase where we think, oh, well, if I just get this systematized properly, everything's going to be perfect. And the God's honest truth is that you have to be vigilant because people are always going to try to do it their own way, tweak it a little bit, and they might have better ways to do it. But you really have to be consistent and vigilant, paying attention to what people are trying to add on. And, you know, it's all, of course, I think generally with good intentions, right? They're not purposely trying to make things slower, but if there's one thing I've learned in working with Kelsey Bratcher and doing everything that we've done on the marketing side is that the faster we go, the more money we make. And I think that's absolutely true that if you, and I think Tyson, I'm looking at our numbers this year. I think this will be this if If we don't get things sped up a little bit, we're not going to have had the growth that we've had the last three years, which I'm sort of having to come to terms with, but we need to fix some stuff before we ramp up again.
2: Well, it sounds like you're probably coming into that maturation phase, which is completely normal uh, when in the growth of a company. Sometimes, and it's and I want to go back to the basketball analogy in, in a moment, but uh, there there is the the maturation stage in in a company where you kind of you kind of level out, and some would even maybe even call it a plateau. And that's you know it's completely normal. You can't have you know, three x growth every every year. You just can't. It's just that it's no no industry has that growth. I mean, I guess some tech industry does, but it, it eventually will you know plateau. So what you're going through, Jim, is completely normal. So you were talking about you know you know putting things on your back and then you know people trying to do things and, you know tweaking things and making systems. But you, do you know the term ball stopper? You've heard of a ball no. stopper?
0: Yeah. No. A
2: ball stopper is um, it means. You know, you're passing the ball around, you got five people on a team and inevitably this one person, they're a ball stopper. They get the ball and they're, they're the one that like they're, they're dribbling around. They're not passing the ball. They're taking the ball to the lane, but they're, they're not getting good shots off because they're a ball stopper. So the ball stops, they don't get a good shot off. They have a turnover, whatever it is. So that's a ball stopper. And you got to be very careful about ball stoppers in your firm. I am sometimes in a lot of things that you, and I know you are too, you call it log jam. I call it ball stopper, where you know the case gets to us and things just kind of halt, right? They, they grind to a halt. So we got to be careful about that. And it, it's a good opportunity, though, if you're looking at your firm and, and to, to address that, where you probably need more people is probably what you need in that area. And so to prevent that ball stopping, you got to analyze your systems to figure out where, where you have the log jams so you can keep that case moving.
1: On a related note, our friend Marco Brown posted the other day in the Guild about how he's realized the corollary that the less that he bills, the more money he makes. And he made the point. It it was, you know, it's obviously something we talk about a lot, but he made the point, you know, this is sort of obvious because if you're if you're doing all your time working on cases, you're not doing the things to help grow your firm. And conversely, if you are doing the things to grow your firm, you're probably not spending a lot of time on day-to-day cases. And I think I think those two things go hand in hand, but I also think Like I was wondering if I need to have someone whose job it is to make sure that people aren't slowing things down, like, like the director of speed. I know that that's not a real thing, but I think almost like any new initiative has to be viewed through, does this speed things up? Does this slow things down? And are we willing to pay the price of it slowing down for the thing that we're trying to fix?
2: Well, I I would say that uh, you could name a COO a. a Chief's uh, speed officer uh, or director of speed. I I think that that could be a thing because, I mean, that, a COO, that's kind of what their job is, right? They, they handle operations and they make sure things are operating efficiently. So I don't know. I guess you could have, I, I really like that title. You are really good for, for people that don't know. Jim is phenomenal at naming things. If you need a name for something, just call Jim and he will give you a name in like an hour. And if he doesn't get it within an hour, guess what? They give you your money back. So it's you're you're really good at naming things, but I no I I love I love the idea of having someone. Now I don't know how cost effective it is if it's not your CMO, but it, the idea if you could afford it, having one person just all they do all day is picking at your systems to make sure that they're efficient, and make sure everything's speedy. I think that's phenomenal.
1: I mean, if you think about a lot of the presentations at MaxlawCon 2022, a lot of them were about speeding things up you know, doing things better so as to speed them up, doing things better so as to give yourself more free time. Speed is an important yet often underlooked uh, quality in a growing law firm, in a healthy law firm. Um, When there's not speed and there's stagnation, I think that, that that's a real sign that something might be off. I know that we have people who own their law firms who are low on quick start. But I think they're also the ones who sort of suffer with not getting things changed and wondering year after
2: year why things aren't getting better. Yeah, I love it. Can we uh, shift gears a little bit? Of course. So there's there's this question that uh, was in the Q&A on Tuesday that's been haunting me ever since. You probably know which question it was. But it was was about – the question was along the lines of, you know, been hearing about all these, you know, great firms, um, you talk about all these great firms, but I didn't really hear a whole lot about like, you know, how do you practice law and run a firm at the same time? Like it's usually uh, the people are the, they're, they're just business owners. They're not, they're not lawyers. And I I mean, I got to tell you, it's it's been tormenting to me because I've got this constant struggle about like wanting to try cases and being an amazing trial lawyer and running a firm it is. And it's since the last two days, have just been torture for me because it's it's like, what do you want to do? Right? Like what, like, cause I, I mean, I know in my brain it's, it is in my heart, I tell myself something else, but in my brain, I, I, I know there is no way I can be an amazing trial lawyer and an amazing firm owner. There's just, it's just not possible. It is not possible with the amount of work that both of those things take. And so I don't know. I, it's, have you ever had that struggle? Because I feel like you probably haven't. I feel like you've always wanted to to be a and a a firm owner and run a firm. One of my all time
1: favorite episodes of the Maximum Lawyer podcast was when we had our friend. Great
2: podcast, by the way. Really good podcast. You should is, check
1: it out. It is a good podcast. And my favorite episode, one of my favorite episodes, is when we had our friend Brian lobovic on, and he has a very successful plaintiffs injury firm in South Florida, and he talked about what happened to his firm during COVID. And I think COVID is the great Petri dish for this question that you're raising. You guys couldn't go to trial for a while. It, you know, in varied. Of course, in Florida, it was a New York minute. <laughs> in Missouri and St. Louis County, it was a little bit longer. But what I loved about Brian's share on the podcast was he talked about how, COVID was like the best thing that ever happened to him because he had to sit and fix systems for almost a whole year. And he also realized that when he was in trial for a week, he thought to himself, ah, it's just one week out of a month. I still have three weeks left. But then he remembered (laughs) the two weeks getting ready for trial and the two days to recover from trial. That's your whole damn month. So, you know. Dr. Stewart said it from the stage, she says it to me all the time, 168, 168, 168, those are all the hours we have in a week. So I think, Tyson, if there's one thing we figured out on this show is you might be able to practice for a while, but if you want to break through maybe from level two to level three, if you're still insistent on practicing law, that is your choice, but you're probably not going to have a self-managing firm. Running your own practice can be scary. Whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good.
2: Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want, and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. Yeah, you'll, I mean, you'll never get to four, I don't think. I don't know anyone that can get to four by you actually just practicing law all the time. Like your or trying cases specifically. I guess I'm specifically talking about trying cases. If you're trying cases on a regular basis, I mean like do you know of any firm that's gotten to a level four? Like that the the owner is trying cases all the time? Like I d I don't know anybody. Well, let's I mean John Simon has,
1: but he's he's one of a kind. Let's and, and let's I want to talk about that specific model. So Tyson, tell me if you were to outsource or give to your team all the aspects of getting ready for trial except for the part that you couldn't do and actually be the trial lawyer still how much time would that would would that take you in one given case i mean you still have to be there in trial right like you're you're the lawyer
2: yeah so what's interesting even if all of that stuff's done uh, even, let's say that it's a, a typical car crash trial well, so it's pretty simple three four days I'm there for three or four days, obviously days and nights. But I, do, our approach is we get to know our clients, right? We don't just, you know, like we. So I'm going to be spending time with the clients and getting to know them, like visiting them at their homes, maybe even um, invite them over to my home. Actually, getting to know them, spending a lot of time with them. That and that's then you got the time where I'm reviewing depositions and re- reviewing discovery and making sure. That, I mean, I'll, I'd have to be involved in a fairly early uh, time because I we'd want to make sure we got the theme and a the theory worked out and all the rules of the road worked out because that the the rules really dictate everything so i mean I'd, I'd have to be intimately involved probably even i mean let's but let's say that i've got a team that has figured out the rules i can trust them with the rules i can trust them with working out you know theme and theory of the case um getting the depositions all that stuff done i mean i still gotta get to know the clients i still gotta be there for the trial so you're talking about i mean Still weeks of weeks of prep for a case is what we're talking about. I mean we're not talking I mean, about so, a small amount of time. So if you had a fully optimized trial team and a fully
1: optimized law firm where you really were just sitting there and saying, do this, 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 and this, like everyone <laughs> brought their issues to you and you sat around and you said yes, no, no, maybe yes, maybe let's see next week. Like if you could get it to that level, which I think is maybe a pipe dream, I think there has to be a significant amount of Tyson in law firm owner land. And I think that's inherently in conflict with Tyson, the Perry Mason trial lawyer land.
2: Yeah, I mean, no question. Like, there's someone I want to try to get on the podcast. His name's Nick Rowley. You may or may not know him, but like any of the serious PI lawyers know who Nick Rowley is. He is of our generation, maybe the best trial lawyer out there. He's amazing, truly amazing. And he, and I don't, I don't, I want to know if he has like a practice manager. Like, how does he do this? He gets amazing results. It's quite incredible how many multi-million dollar uh, verdicts like I'm talking like in the twenties twenty million dollar verdicts he gets on a regular basis. It's quite fascinating. I like I wonder how he does it. Does he must have a team that is just amazing, at least in my mind. Like I don't know how he could actually run a practice and try the cases like he does. So I, I want to pick his brain to see like okay how are you doing things? And maybe we can dissect it a little bit. Maybe maybe he's a unicorn. Maybe he's like uh John Simon is where John Simon is also – but John Simon also does have people that – he's got a non-lawyer that runs his firm That is that I I know pretty well. She runs the firm. She does a lot of the stuff that he doesn't do that that allows him to try the cases. So I think that that's a a key element of this.
1: And I guess I would just ask you, you know, what – I know that doing trial work is fun, right? But I mean, you said that I sort of shifted to wanting to be a law firm owner rather quickly and I probably did, but – At the end of the day, I ask myself, you know, what am I really learning going to another naturalization interview? What am I really learning going to another green card interview based on marriage? I mean, yeah, it's sort of fun. It's sort of interesting. But to me, where I'm at right now, it's a little bit of the polishing the silver. It's stuff I've already done. I I guess, you know, trying to master the art of trial work is in itself its own noble pursuit. But at the end of the day, it might just be a noble pursuit and not the thing that's going to make you really happy.
2: That's true. Uh, I think part of my hesitation is is I don't think that there's anybody in my firm that is nearly as good as I am at trying cases. And maybe that's a pro- maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe I need to go out and find someone that's better than me and hire the that person. And part of it's ego. Like we we kind of talked about ego before. I I think part of it's ego. I mean, it's being able to like go into that arena and, and win. I don't know. There's there's something to that as well. It's so there's the ego part of it too. It's fun, uh, but it, it is. <laughs> It's, it's nice going in there and getting those scalps, you know, it's uh, just, it's just, it's just part of it. So then I would
1: say, if that's true, then I would say, I would just ask myself this question, what would have to happen or what would it look like for me to sort of be past that? Not that you have to actively want to be passive, but like, just ask yourself, am I doing this just to keep doing it or to feed my ego? Or is there, what conditions would have to be present me to feel comfortable and maybe like you said it's hiring another experienced trial lawyer i don't know
2: it's a good question what would have to happen for me to get past that i mean i i'm not going to give you an answer to that question right now that's that's a uh, sit and think for hours kind of question interesting have you had something similar where you had to answer that question
1: well i mean we wrap up so much of ourselves and our identity as trial lawyers or immigration lawyers and i have started to think of myself more as a law firm owner I still, you know, I still practice law. I have an asylum interview next week, all that stuff. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, our priorities and our desires change over time and and it's okay to be in either space. But in answer to that blanket question from Tuesday, I think that question was coming more from people who were asking themselves that question for the first time, right? Like, you know, let's at least be deliberate in what we're doing. Let's Let's not just muddle through. And I think that's really important. And I think that's sort of what Dr. Stewart was talking about at the conference of mindfulness is like, let's not just go on autopilot and be a robot and do all these things. Let's at least be a little bit more deliberate and maybe just once a week think about, you know, why are we doing this? What, where are we headed? What conditions don't I like? What conditions do I like? What would I like to change? That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. I want to, and I want, I think that's great. Dr. Stewart was amazing. Um, So there is something you said about getting wrapped up in like our identity as, as like a trial lawyer, as a lawyer, whatever it may be. So um, this is something that you talked about a lot death. You talked about death during your presentation a lot. And then I talked about it a little bit at the end of mine, which was interesting. And then there was, there's been two suicides in Boone County, Missouri recently and it's kind of shocking to me i mean suicide has been a big thing lately so i the whole thing about being wrapped up or having our identities wrapped up in our in our profession i think that that may be part of the problem in our profession is maybe that and maybe i need to pull myself away from that as, as that being my identity a little bit because i do think that that's part of the problem is us wrapping ourselves in this profession and and i think all of the major professions like like, you know, doctor, lawyer, accountant, all that kind of stuff, I think that that may be part of the problem. So I, I guess, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Because when you said that, I was like, I wonder if that is what's part of what's going on. And maybe if you're not as good at, you've wrapped yourself in that identity, and then you're not as good at it as you thought you were going to be, maybe that is what's leading to some of this. I don't know. Just thoughts. I
1: think it's a great point, because I think we need to be thinking about what if this all went away? What if this all went away? Probably unlikely, but there's a freedom that comes from knowing that you would be okay without all this, you know, without all this team, without this law firm, without this profession, that at the end of the day, if I stop practicing law or somebody took my law license away or if a president came and said no more immigration, if you are confident enough and centered enough where you know that you'll be okay no matter what, then I think that really cuts down on that tying myself to my identity. And I don't think it's healthy to tie myself that much to my identity. I think it's, and this is why, you know, we talked about having hobbies and being well-rounded and spending time with your family. It's not just to be a balanced person. It's to protect
2: yourself from that trap of thinking that, you know, this is all I am. Yeah. I mean, I I can't mention who the person is, but at an early mastermind, a person stood up and and said that they were worried they were making a bunch of money at the time and they were worried that it was all going to go away. It was yeah. all going to go away, and that was. It's always stuck with me. It is always, so. It's funny. I actually constantly think about that because mm-hmm. it is one of those things. I think we do need to think about it, right? Something could happen. You no, know, I mean whatever it may be. I do think we need to think about that because what do you do if it all if it all goes away? What would you do? And yeah, I, I think. And I think that's a healthy question. I don't think it's a. I think some people say, "Oh, that's a that's a really negative question." I don't. I don't think so. I think that thinking about it. Like, you're going to be okay, right? No matter what, you're going to be okay. I posted something in after I saw that the second person in two days had committed suicide. I posted something in the guild. Like, no matter what, it's all going to be okay. So I think we need to know that, right? And I know we need to think about that in case something does happen to you or your firm. It's all going to be okay. And what are you going to do? Have that that contingency plan in place.
1: And I think there's actually a freedom in the thought exercise of what if I walked away? (laughs) What if it wasn't that something bad happened to me? and this got taken from me, but what if I decided I wanted to do something else? That's even more of a, a level of freedom, I think.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's like I have had that thought, right? Just like things would be probably be a lot easier if I went and worked at a you know insurance company. <laughs> it probably yeah. would be, but I that was probably a bad choice. The uh, at a I don't know mortgage company. That doesn't mean I'd be happy though. That's the thing too. Like just because it might be easier doesn't mean you're going to be happier. So that's another, another dynamic to this. I don't know. A lot of deep thoughts to, to, to ponder. for Sure. I don't As plan always. on walking away, by the way. I don't plan on walking away, but it's a, it's a fun thought. So, All right, Jimmy, let's wrap things up before I do. I will remind everyone to please give us a five star review. If you don't mind it, helps us spread the love. So if you don't mind, give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to join us in the big Facebook group, we would love to have you. So just search Maximum Lawyer and search for groups in Facebook. And then if you want a more high-level conversation, join us in the Guild. Go to maxlawguild.com. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week is to
1: leave more five star reviews. You know, we always are wondering and asking when are people going to leave us a, a five star review on Google. But if we actively give those out, I think the karma brings them all back to us. So I would encourage everyone to even engaging in leaving reviews helps you understand how reviews work better because you'll get notified when people use your review or you'll get notified when your review has a certain number of reviews. So The act of generously giving out five-star reviews is a great thing to do. I wouldn't encourage you to leave lots of one-star reviews. Um, I think the same karma would come
2: back. So I would just encourage everyone to try to start leaving more reviews. I love it. That's a really good one. I'm going to start leaving more reviews. It's kind of like sending um, thank you cards. I, I, I really like that. That's great. So my tip comes from the book, Simple Numbers, Straight Talk big profits by Greg Crabtree. It's a book that we may have mentioned on the podcast before Ryan McKean has talked about it um, in the guild and it's understanding, go and read the book and understand the difference between owner compensation and your salary and actually paying yourself a market rate. It's really, really important to understand those concepts. And he talked about the book, I'm, actually, I'm rereading the book now, it's funny, it's reopening my eyes to some things. So understanding the owner compensation, you know, your investment returns versus your actual salary, understanding those differences and making sure that you are paying yourself a market rate and that way, if you do at some point want to you sell your firm, what it would take to replace you, uh, like the, what the salary needs to be to replace you, whenever you bring on a new person, understanding all how all those dynamics work when it comes to taxes, go read the book. Really, really important. Good stuff. So, all right, Jimmy, it's been a really deep podcast, but uh, a good one. So, great chat with you. See you, buddy. Ready.